Well, we're on um, week number two of a teaching series called Signs, It's Time to Return. And this series is an eschatological conversation, okay? That means that the subject matter is the end times. And like I said last week, the end times are a complete mystery. And there's no human being that's going to be able to solve every detail. It's just not possible. Jesus said, you're not going to know the day. You're not going to know the hour. He said, but you can keep watch. He would not have told us that we should keep watch if there were not things that we could watch for. Isn't that right? I referenced Matthew 24, which is um, one of the big chapters of Jesus talking about end times. And in that chapter, you find the disciples ask him, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then for two chapters, you guys, Jesus goes on to talk about signs. He gives these parables that indicate what those times will be like. Obviously not every detail, but he gives enough that we can be watchful And we can look and discern the times that he was talking about. In fact, I love what he says in Matthew 24. After he says a few things, he said, I told you these things in advance. I've told you these things ahead of time. But the thing is, is that God has been telling us in advance for a very long time. He's been telling us about the end, really, since the very beginning. Now, if you were here last week, then you heard me talk about the super sign, what I'm calling the the super sign, and I, it's not that didn't originate with me. So if you thought I was just super genius, I'm not. Um, but we talked about the super sign. The super sign gives validity to all other signs that we might try to recognize as end times signs. But you can't understand any other sign until you understand the super sign. Until you can't give them eschatological value or attention until you understand the super sign. And I told you that the super sign is all things Israel. All things Israel. Now, this might be news to some of you. You may not have um, heard many of the things that I'm going to be talking about tonight and that I spoke about last week. It's important that you go back last week and listen if you missed that sermon because tonight I'm going to just jump right in where I left off. Is that cool? So last week I gave you a very, 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 very general overview of the seven feasts of Israel. They are appointed times, okay, fixed times times that God commanded Israel to celebrate. He said, you have to. He called them holy convocations. Convocation means gather them all. No one left out. Everyone has to participate. Now, what Israel didn't know is that these feasts, they spoke of what God did, but at the very same time, they spoke about what God would do sometime in the future. And I told you that the seven feasts, the seven feasts of Israel, are a prophetic timeline of God's redemptive plan of salvation. I also told you that that word convocation, it means gather them all. But you know what it really means? It means a dress rehearsal. God said, gather them all. We're going to have a dress rehearsal. Okay, we are preparing for something that is going to happen in the future. Okay, there are feasts. There's a spring feast and there's a fall feast, three fall feasts. Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Those haven't been fulfilled yet. And so we are waiting for him to fulfill those. And I talked about um, the gap in between. Everybody say, the gap. gap. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about those things 
as we move forward tonight. So we're going to come back to that, okay? But what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 9. I think I referenced it last week. Daniel chapter 9 contains some of the most amazing prophecies that you're going to find in Scripture. And I'm going to show you why. Let's just start from the beginning. Can we do that? Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to kind of walk through this as fast as I can. We're not going to read. We're going to skip a little bit um, for the sake of time. But Daniel chapter 9 starts out like this. In the first year of Darius's reign, I observed in the books. Is everybody there? I'm sorry. I didn't give you time. Everyone there? You're like, yeah, I just pulled it right up on my app. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have the app anointing. In the first year of King Darius's reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely seven years. Okay, let's pause. What's going on here? Well, first of all, Daniel, because he loved the Lord, truly with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was studying God's word. He was reading through the scrolls. And he just happened to be in the book of Jeremiah or the scrolls that Jeremiah, the prophet, would have written. And he's reading through and he's, he's looking and he's like, whoa, what's this? He says, I observed in the books the numbers of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. In other words, I saw something I've, I've never seen. I believe he had not seen it or at least not paid attention. You know how you read something in Scripture a thousand times, but that one time, it jumps out and it becomes revelation and it changes your life, you know? I've read that a thousand times. How have I not seen it? Maybe it was something like that for him. So he's reading, and what he's reading is Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11, if you want to write that reference down. And it's when Jeremiah says that the whole land shall be a desolation. Desolation means destroyed. As an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon, which we know at that time was Nebuchadnezzar, for 70 years. So he's reading this, and he sees these numbers. He's putting these numbers in. And, you know, the Israelites had been in captivity to Babylon for a long time. You guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, Daniel was one of those too. I don't know if you knew that. It wasn't just um, those three young Jewish men. It was many, and Daniel was among them. He was in captivity. One day he's studying in Jeremiah and he's like, hey, wait, what? He saw, he did the math, and he realized in that moment, this 70 years is almost up. Now, how's that for a revelation? But look what happened in verse 3. And I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer. That means intercession. To, I wanted to, to jump in and intercede. And supplication, which means to ask for favor. And with fasting, which we know means abstaining from food. And with sackcloth and ashes, which for them was a method of mourning. And you'll see why. Verse 4, he says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenants and loving kindness for those who love him and keeps his commandments. Verse 5, he says, We have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we haven't listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. So Daniel realizes this, the season was almost over, and he immediately enters into an intentional time of seeking God. 
And I think the reason, my personal opinion, is that the reason that, that he um, immediately begins to pray and fast and mourn is he, could, he remembers what got them in that destruction or that time of captivity to begin with. You know what it was? God had said, every seven years you got to rest the land. But for 490 years, they didn't do it. Now, that's a long time to disobey God. But at some point, God was like, you know what? You guys just don't get it. And so he said, you know what? There's going to be a time of desolation, a time of destruction, a time of rebuke, a time of correction, a time of discipline for my people Israel. And so for every year that they didn't let the land rest, he allowed them to be held captive by the Babylonians. 490 years divided by seven is what? 70. The reason that they were in this predicament to begin with is because their hearts weren't right. And you know what he probably discerned? Their hearts <laughs> still aren't right. I gotta do some praying. I don't wanna be here another 70 years. Lord, I'm sorry. And he begins repenting over and over and over and over. And then he also says that we, your people who have ignored the prophets who you sent to tell us, get your stuff in line. We ignored them. They tried to tell us that you were speaking to us, but we ignored them. And here we are. And you know what? They are still a people who will ignore you. And so we began repenting on their behalf. In fact, He's going down to Daniel 19. He says a lot of prayers and a lot of things. But in Daniel 19, he says, Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen. Take action. For your own sake, oh, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people are called by your name. In other words, Daniel was holding God to his character. God, you are just what you told Moses you are back in Exodus. You are compassionate, gracious. You are slow to anger, abounding in love, and abounding in faithfulness. We talked last week about a promise that he made to Abraham years and years and years earlier, a promise that was everlasting, a covenant, in fact. Okay, so let's keep reading. While I was praying and fasting, and I love this because this is is like his journal. (laughs) You know, he's just right. One day, you know, speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people... Verse 21, while I was still talking, while I was still praying, the man, Gabriel, which we know is God's messenger, angel, Gabriel, came to me in my extreme weariness. And it says that Gabriel, verse 22, gave me instruction and talked with me and said, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. I'm about to show you something. It's going to blow you away, but don't worry. I'm going to help you understand it. I love this, you guys. Just circle this and promise to come back to it. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued. (laughs) In other words, it was Daniel's pure motivation to pray that allowed him to receive the vision, not how long and how hard he prayed. I love that. As soon as you started praying, Daniel, God sent me. I have now come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Look what it says in verse 24. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write write this down because this is a very short little section right here, but it's broken down into four sections. The first section is the scope of the entire prophecy. 
okay? Just within that first phrase, you're gonna see what the whole prophecy is about and who it's about. And then after that, this next section, section is um, what we're gonna call the 69 weeks. And then the third, uh, third section, we're gonna call the gap, okay? And then the fourth section, we're gonna call the 70th week. So if you're writing those down and, and you can put things together, um, um, you know, in your notes as we move forward. The second one is 69 weeks. So look what it says. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness or bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Well, there's no way that could happen until the very, 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 very end of time. He says to seal up vision and prophecy. In other words, vision and prophecy, we'll see. There's no need for it anymore, right? Well, when would that happen? That wouldn't even be necessary until the end. end. So what you're seeing here is 70 weeks. It's interesting that it's 70 weeks, but 70 weeks have been decreed. That word decreed means to determine. It means to mark out ahead of time. It means a fixed time set, an appointment, very similar to the feast. Keep that in mind. 70 weeks have been decreed or marked out ahead of time for your people. We know that's talking about Israel and your holy city, Jerusalem, for these things to happen. So God is going to do something major and massive that has to do with the people of Israel in the end times. You guys see that? Let's keep reading and see what he's going to do. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah Prince. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now let me just clarify one thing real quick. When he says 70 weeks and then he talks about the 62 weeks and then the He's talking about weeks of years, okay? Not just weeks, but weeks of years. So 70 years total. Keep that in mind. Man, I may need my glasses, but I can barely see. (laughs) No, I'm embarrassed to use them. Pride goeth before the fall, right? 41, it starts hitting you, man. So you are to, so he lays out these 70 weeks and then he says, listen, you are to know and you are to discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, okay, the issuing of a decree, he is saying, starts the 70 years. We know what that is. That's when Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah, go, rebuild the walls, 445 B.C., in fact, did you know that because of the way they've learned to understand the stars and the moon and, and the lunar years and, and the, the time frames and what used to be 360 uh, day years are now 365, and, oh, but back then it was 300. Because of that, they know exactly when the date of that is. And I have it written down somewhere. I don't know if I... March 14th. March 14th, 445 B.C. The exact date that that begins, okay? Let's keep reading. So you're to know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild 
Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, that word for prince uh, means chief ruler or king. So it's talking about king, Messiah, Messiah, king. We know that to be Jesus. So from the time of the decree until Jesus to Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now remember, this is weeks of years. Okay, there will be seven weeks or seven sevens. Seven times seven is 49. Interestingly, that's exactly how long it took to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So it's like, oh, wow. And then he says, after that, there is going to be another 62 weeks, 434 years, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even until the times of distress. Now, what that is, real quick, that is a reference and a proof that he's talking about the decree to build the walls with Nehemiah. Because what did Nehemiah focus on? He focused on the streets and the walls or the defense. That can be translated moat or um, ditch or gully, or it can be translated walls. Ultimately, he's talking about the defense, which is what Nehemiah went to go and rebuild to make the city safe again. And then he says, even in times of distress, and we know that it was very stressful and very hard for them to do that in that day, okay? Now, verse 26, then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. What that's saying is that the Messiah is going to die. And when it says that, and he will have nothing, what that really means is that he will, he will do it and not deserve it. He will be cut off, but not because of what he's done. And we know that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So you have the beginning and then you know that the end is when Messiah the Prince comes. And we're going to look at that in detail. After that time, he says, uh, Messiah will be cut off. And then look what it says. And the people of the Prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Okay, this is talking about in 70 AD, just 38 years later, Roman rule is going to come and they're going to destroy the walls of Jerusalem. And if you remember, Jesus said this is going to happen. Then it says, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. And then it says, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. Like, whoa, whoa. He just switched gears here. What what are you talking about? Because all of a sudden he's talking revelation kind of stuff. He's talking about something completely different. And what you see is that there's this big gap. At the end of the 69 weeks, there's this big gap. 69 weeks is is, um, stops. Then it says, after that, the cross. After that, the destruction of the temple. But then the next thing he talks about is how he will come. And make a firm covenant with the many for one week. And all of a sudden it switches gears and it's talking about the Antichrist. So you have this big gap of time. 69 weeks, a big gap of time. And then you have the 70th week. The 70th week of Daniel is the seven year tribulation. The last seven years of the existence as we know it. If you look at the, you know, this ends this and this starts this. Then you see there's a big gap. I want to pause and talk about the gap for a second. Jesus said when he was riding into the city, it says that as he approached Jerusalem, 
that he saw the city and he wept over it. He said, if you, even you had only known this day, everybody say this day. If you had known this day would bring you peace. If you had just known this day, but now it is hidden from your eyes and the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, your children and you within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. This is where Jesus said this in Luke 19. Well, when they ransacked the city, they burnt it. And when they did, the items all over the temple like melted, the gold melted. And one of the things that they did to get the gold out of the temple is that they literally took the stones apart and they disassembled what was left so that they could get the gold. Not one stone left on another. Just like Jesus said, not one stone will be left on another. So Jesus prophesied about this. You did not recognize the day of God's coming to you. There's another place where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in the Matthew account. Listen to me closely. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets that are sent to you to warn you and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have loved to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left desolate to you. This day that he talks about, this day you didn't recognize me is significant. Think about Jesus' life and think about the things that are written about him. How many times did he do these uh, remarkable, miraculous things? And people say, let's make this dude king. This is the Messiah. He's like, oh, no. And he would go hide and he would run away. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many times would he do that? No, no. And sometimes he would say, my time has not come yet. You guys know what I'm talking about? My time has not come yet. Let's make him king. No, my time has not come yet. My time. And then you look at this scenario and it's so interesting because one day he says, okay, my time has come. (laughs) And he says, I want you guys to go into the city and get a donkey. And so they go get the donkey, they bring it to him. And that day, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that donkey, which is prophesied in the prophets that he would do that. And if you will remember, that's the day they said, Hosanna, Baruch, Hababa Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they were recognizing him as king. Okay? But they were all wanting him to be the king that they wanted him to be. The conquering king that was going to change their situation with Rome. That was the day that he did come in. His triumphal entry that he came in. And here's the thing. When it says that 69 years will be decreed until Prince Messiah, your first guess would be, oh, okay, so that 69 years was over when Jesus was born. Nope. Oh, it must be then whenever he began his ministry or when he was baptized um, by John. Nope. The wedding of Cana? Nope. You'll see up there. uh, 173,880 days to the day that Jesus rode in on the donkey. Like to the day. When you do the math, when you look at all that and you consider the moon and the 360, I mean, all these smart people have all figured it out. They said this was the day. They know, what was it? um, What was the day? April something, um, 32 AD. They have it mapped out. That's the number of days. One. 
173,880 days from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem to the day that Jesus rode in on the donkey. He refused. I will not be seen as king. You will not recognize me king. My time has not come. My time has not come. My time has not come. And all of a sudden, he says, okay, it's time. But look what he says. It says that he wept. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. And Luke, he says, he approached and he wept over the city. If you even had only known this day would bring you peace. In other words, and if you go on to read, you know that the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were furious. But overall, they didn't recognize it. Here's what they knew. Jesus is doing great stuff. He's doing amazing things. And he must be Messiah King. And that's why they're doing the Hosanna and they're doing the banners and we celebrate Palm Sunday. But here's the deal. Jesus is saying, you're doing this, but you don't get it. The motive of your heart is that I come and save you from all your troubles. But I'm telling you, I came to serve. I came to die. I came to do something different. And we know that that was the motive of their heart because as soon as he was put on trial, as soon as he was crucified, they turned their back and stopped saying Baruch, Haba, Bashem, Adonai to saying crucify him. Why? Because he's obviously not in control here. These are not going our way. You know, I read that when, when they would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, what, what they're saying is, I am voluntarily and fully embracing the coming of and the presence of Jesus Christ in my life. You could even say that. Say, Baruch, Hava, Bashem, Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I am proclaiming him Lord of me. I am saying, come Lord Jesus and bring to pass your will and your kingdom to the complete disregard of me. In other words, do it your way. That's not what they were saying. And we know that because they ended up saying, crucify him. And then what did he say? He said, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The good thing is, he says, you're not gonna see me again until. You're not gonna see me again until. You will see me again, but not until you say these same words, but this time, because all that'll happen, you're going to mean it. Here's another thing. And we're talking about this gap. You remember in Luke chapter 4, it says he entered this synagogue. And on the Sabbath, he stood up to read. And, and it says that they handed him the scrolls of Isaiah. Here, read this. Jesus is like, all right. Or I don't know how that, you know. Opens a scroll. A scroll. And he starts reading this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favor of the year, comma. And then he closes the book. It says he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him like, aren't you gonna finish? He stopped mid-sentence. There's a comma there. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. But he paused. He paused. He stopped and said, this is what's being fulfilled. Now, if you actually read this in Isaiah, it goes on to say, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, comma, and the day of vengeance of our God. The reason he paused is because there was going to be a gap. There's going to be a gap of time. This is not whenever he would proclaim the vengeance of our God. That was going to be in the future. There was a gap there. This gap is huge. 
You remember how we talked about the feasts of Israel, the spring feast? And then there was a gap until the fall feast. That gap is important because that's what we're living in. And that gap precedes the end times. And I'm telling you, based upon what Jesus said here, what we read in Daniel, is that there is coming a time where God will turn his attention back to Israel. The whole harvest month was about bringing in the harvest of Gentiles. It was about Gentiles. He turned his attention away from the Jews. You guys get that? He just said, I'm hiding this from your eyes. The days are going to come when your enemies are going to come against you. And, but only until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's another place where Jesus says that they will fall by the sword. They will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles. This is Luke 21. They will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is over. What is the time of the Gentiles? The gap. When you look at the feast, you notice how, by the way, the 70 years of Daniel line up in in an interesting way with the seven feasts. Do you guys see that? Both have this big gap with this very intentional thing at the end. What did I tell you about the fall feasts? That was a season in the year where Israel was repentant. They were waiting to whether or not they would be forgiven for the next year in the known tabernacles they would celebrate. So that fall feasts were about Israel and what God would do in restoring them. And then you look here, there's this big gap that had to do with the Gentiles. If you can see that here in the bottom, church age, harvest, time of the Gentiles. But that time, Jesus said, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. In other words, the day that that is done, the day that that time in history is done. And then I'm going to turn my attention back to Israel. And I'm going to restore them the 70 weeks. Remember what he said. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and for your holy city. And if you look there, he talks about when um, uh, he would establish a firm covenant with Israel. One of the things we learn, and it's so hard to get all of this in, but one of the things we learn through the study of Revelations um, and several of the other prophets, even Jesus' own words, is that, that when, when that man or the uh, man of lawlessness or the uh, man of perdition or the Antichrist comes and establishes this covenant with Israel, what it does is it kicks off that seven years of tribulation. And that's the season where where God shifts his attention back to Israel. The time of the Gentiles would be over. And listen, just like Daniel discerned, whoa, these these 70 years are almost up because he studied the word. Whoa, we're seeing based upon things that the gap is almost up. The time of the Gentiles is almost up. God is about to um, finish his work with the church and he's about to turn his attention back to Israel. And just real quick, and I might talk about this more next week, there's a thing called the rapture when God will um, call all those who are in him back, that they will be caught up in the air with him. Many scholars believe that, that this will be at the same time um, you know, not the, maybe not the same day, maybe not the same hour, but in the same time frame that before the man of lawlessness establishes this covenant with Israel, that the church will be taken out. And there's lots of reasons why 
just looking at some of the things we've talked about is a season of harvest, a season where, um, uh, of the church. It's a season of, of bringing in people and sharing the gospel. But you know, we talked last week about the trumpet. When they blew the trumpet, what that was is it was a call, okay, leave the field and come worship in the temple. <laughs> you guys see that? Whoa, it's time to go worship. And so it seems that when the trumpet blows or sometime around the feast of trumpets, that fall feast, it's going to be two things really. Calling those who are in Christ, the church, home, seems to be, okay? And I'm, 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 um, I lean heavily towards that way. Can we just say it that way? That he's going to call his saints home, the church, Jew and Gentile, anybody who's received Jesus as Savior. He is going to call them home. He's going to call in the harvesters. He's going to call in the, the, uh, the field workers, if you will. Okay? And he's going to turn his attention towards Israel. Remember what I said? That blowing of the trumpet, that first fall feast, sets the pace for all of the fall feasts. And it has to do with Israel's repentance. It has to do with Israel's atonement. So in the feasts of Israel, you see... That, those, those, that season of uh, the fall feast is about Israel. And according to Daniel, what we see is that that last seven years or that 70th, 70th year is all about who? About Israel. Now that is a vast conversation. A vast conversation. Why is it important to us? Well, just like Daniel was reading one day and Jeremiah was like, oh wait, shoot. This time's almost over. We can read scriptures and we can see that this time is almost over. That this gap, we're almost done with this gap. The time of the Gentiles is, 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 is heading towards an end. We are approaching that last season in history where God will turn his attention back to Israel and restore them. I promise, keep his promises he made all the way back to Abraham. And the reason this is important, the reason we can discern that is... The seven years cannot happen until certain things happen. I'm going to refer real quick to um, a teaching series that you, many of you are familiar with right now called The Tipping Point. Um, it's, it's a sermon series from Gateway Church that Jimmy Evans actually preached. And he talked about how Israel, he talked about Israel and how Israel is the tipping point. A really good sermon. I mean, he lays out a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff that I didn't want to reproduce because he does such a great, great job. I encourage you to go to listen to it because it gives a lot of the implica- uh, political implications to this. But one thing that he did talk about that I think fits really well with here in us discerning the times is since Israel is the super sign, you know that these things cannot happen until what? Let's look back at Daniel um, chapter 9. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people, his holy people, your holy city, to the finishing of the transgression, he goes through that list of those things. So right now, something has to happen with the people of Israel. Something has to happen with his holy city, his holy people, his holy city. Okay? And if you'll look down here in verse 27, and he will make a firm covenant. Remember, this is starting this, is starting this um, last portion up there. He's going to make a covenant with the many, which is a reference to Israel, for one week. It's going to be something that's going to promise peace, some, something that's going to promise, um, it's going to make everything okay. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. There's people who believe different things. But what we do know is that certain things have to happen before that happens. And one is that Israel 
it has to become a nation again. It hasn't been recognized as a, an official nation for, you know, what, 2,000 years. Well, that happened in 1948. And again, I encourage you to go listen to um, Jimmy's because he does a great job of that. But that happened in 1948. God's holy nation became um, accepted as a nation again. That's huge. And that's why last week when I said, you know, it's, it's World War I and Jesus is coming back. No, not yet. It's not possible. Oh, it's World War II. Jesus must be coming back. No, the Depression. No, not yet. Why? Because Israel wasn't a nation yet. But then, whoa, 1948, they became recognized as a nation again. Do you guys understand? That is a massive sign. You, you have to ignore everything. You can't think that, that there's going to be a covenant. There are some people that, that think we're already in the tribulation, you know. But there are, there are things that have to take place. That is one of them. God's holy people have to be recognized as a nation again, okay? Scripture says, can a nation be born in a day? Yes, Israel was. <laughs> That's what that was talking about. The second thing is, is that they have to have uh, ownership of that city again. Well, do you guys know what happened in, in 1967, the Six-Day War? Jerusalem belongs to Israel again. Whoa, that's a super sign. Those two things have happened in very, very, very close time. So God's holy nation has been restored. God's holy city that he talked about here is restored. And then look what it says right here. There's a third thing. Those, th- those two things have happened. So it's like, oh man, you should be like Daniel, right? Discern the times. You don't know the, t- the day or the hour, but you can discern the what? The season of history. It's like, whoa, something's going on. Why? Nations, uh, Israel's a nation again. Jerusalem is functioning under their, you know, command again. But there's one more thing that has to happen. And then the timing of it is, is hard to know. But there's one more thing. Look what he says. And he will make a firm covenant with the many, the Jewish people, for one year. But in the middle of the week, or in the middle of that seven-year period, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. And on the wing of abomination, he will come uh, will come one who makes desolate even until the complete destruction one that is decreed and, and Jesus talks about it you can go and read about it in Matthew 24 he says when, when you see what Daniel was talking about you know it's getting close okay when those things start transpiring here's the thing for him to put an end to sacrifices and grain offerings means that sacrifices and grain offerings have to exist right How many of you know they don't exist right now? They don't have a place to do those things. That's one of the big issues that Israel has. We we don't have a way to make atonement for our sin. One of the things that has to happen before the end can come is that the temple, God's holy temple. I love the way Jimmy Evans says it. He talks about God's holy nation, God's holy city, God's holy temple. Where he's be restored. And those are super signs. Now here's the thing. There is no temple yet, right? Because we know the Dome of the Rock is right there. Most of you know this, many many of you may not. Israel is completely prepared to build the temple. They are ready. I meant to bring this picture and I forgot. I have a picture of me um, a couple years ago standing right beside this huge, massive lampstand menorah that they're ready. It's pure gold. They're ready to put it in there. They've got everything they need, even down to the priestly garments, sized for the priests that will be doing the ministering. They are ready to go. Do you guys see that? 
It's like, that's a big deal. That is a super sign. That means something is going down at the playground soon. Again, it, you know, so you look at this, the decree, there's 70, uh, 69 um, um, weeks of years. Then Jesus rode in on the donkey, stopped that period. And then a gap started. In that gap, Jesus died. Jerusalem was ransacked and many other things. You look and you read, and it's been a 2,000 year gap. And that gap is coming to an end. Um, when you look at it, we talked about the church age, where you call it the harvest, or you can call it the time of the Gentiles. That time is coming to an end. And Jesus is going to say, come on home, field workers. Come home. It's time to come home. And then he's going to turn his attention back to Israel. And all the things that will happen is, is, is still a mystery. I don't know all the things that are going to happen. But that season in history, that last seven years is about Israel. The fall feasts about God restoring them, fulfilling his promise to them. Again, a vast topic. Here's the two things I want to focus on as we wrap up, because I've been preaching a long time. Or three things, I guess, now. (laughs) I just added one. That Daniel was studying God's word, and and it was revealed to him the times, and immediately he began to pray, intercede, fast, and even mourn because of the condition of his people knowing that this 70 years is over and it's going to enter into a new season and we'd love for this to be a good season for the people of Israel. Last week we talked about teshuva, a time of returning. And you need to go back and listen to that. It's a time of repentance, a time of turning. I love that the first thing he did in hopes that, that this will be a great season for his people is that he fasted and he prayed. He fasted and he prayed and he sought the Lord. My question is, is what are we doing in preparation, Are we even considering, are we in his word? Are we recognizing the things that spell out the time and season that we're in? Most of us aren't. Some of the things that I'm telling you are the first time you've ever even heard them. And that's okay. But now we're responsible for what we know, aren't we? <laughs> right? So can we have the heart and spirit of Daniel? This series, Signs, It's Time to Return, is not about all these head facts because we're not going to solve all this stuff. What is it about? It's about getting our heart ready for the Lord's return. It's about preparing our heart. It's about mourning who we've been and where we've been and being prepared for what will be. And then the second thing that I would want to bring attention to is when Jesus said, if, if you'd have just seen it, if you would have recognized this day, it was spelled out literally by, to the day, 173,808 days, this was the day that you should have seen and recognized, I am riding in as a king. I've told you not to make me king all this time. Now I'm saying, make me king. You know, now I'm saying, now's the time. And you don't see it. You don't recognize it. And because of that, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. And you're not going to see me again until, thank God there's an until, right? For the people of Israel. There's an until. It, they will be. He will turn his attention. But this time, they're going to say, Baruch HaVab Hashem Adonai. And it's not, they're going to be okay. They're going to be, they're going to recognize what? And they're going to say, your way, your way. <laughs> it's got to be your way. My question is, is what about for us when we say Baruch HaVab Hashem Adonai? What about when we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as believers? First of all, do we say it? And when we say it, are we like the heart of this that I read here a little bit earlier. Are we saying, do it your way? Are we saying, come Lord Jesus, bring to pass your will, not mine, your kingdom, not mine, disregard me, 
and all my desires. Do it your way. Is that where we're at? Are we a people who are, who are humbly seeking the Lord like Daniel in preparation? Are we people who are saying, Baruch HaVabashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We are in the gap, but the gap is closing.